Have you ever wondered what, how preachers decide what to preach on? There are a few ways to go about it. Um, one way I've never tried is to just open my Bible and start talking. Um, you, don't, you don't want me to do that. Um, you could suggest that God took you to that passage and preach on it. I'm sure it could be done. I believe that the Holy Spirit can certainly handle that. Um, but I don't know that I, I would be very confident in that. What I do is, is, is a combination of several things. Sometimes I look around at the world around me um, and find a topic or a passage of Scripture or something that, that I feel like needs to be addressed and preach on that. Sometimes it's something that jumps out from my personal study of Scripture, and so I preach on that. Uh, sometimes it's a favorite Bible story or book of the Bible um, or something like that that I'll hit. Sometimes it's a book of the Bible or a Bible story that I feel like I haven't heard preached on nearly enough, and I'll go with that. Sometimes I've encountered a person or two who I know will benefit from a particular study, and so I preach on that. But a lot of the time, probably more than I would care to admit, I decide what to preach on based on what I need to hear. And today as we begin a two-week series, this is certainly one of those topics, gratitude. Now don't get me wrong, I, I consider myself to be a grateful person, I say please and thank you. I, you know, when someone does something for me, I acknowledge it and try to repay it, and, and that's fine. I, I, I like to believe, I, I put my gratitude into action. I express my thankfulness when the time comes that I have the opportunity to do so. I would call that reactionary gratitude. When, when the time arises, I'm grateful. I displayed this really well as a kid, especially when opening clothes purchased for me by my grandmother. She was a wonderful woman. There's no doubt about that. But at a certain age, she had no idea how stylishly I preferred to dress. And so she just bought what was cheap or what was on sale or what she thought was a good deal or what she could find at a yard sale. Honestly, my grandma was the queen of yard sailing. And you have not lived until you have been purchased, you know, probably several dozen pairs of, of yard sale jean shorts. Um, so, Yeah. And so she would buy me clothes for my birthday or for Christmas because it's, it's just she wanted to buy clothes and my parents would give her other suggestions. And they actually got to that point that maybe some of you have been to where, um, where they, uh, my, my mom would buy presents and then let my grandma shop the presents that she bought for me so that she would get something I actually wanted. But she would still buy me clothes and I would say thank you and then I would bury it in a drawer and never wear it. So the question became, was I really grateful. Was I actually grateful? If I said thank you, but then buried it in a drawer, what, you know, what does that actually say? And so my mom noticed this, and she told me that if I wasn't willing to be honest about whether I would wear it or not, if I just kept saying thank you and then shoving it in a drawer, that she would make me wear what grandma bought me for school pictures. Now, some of you are thinking my mom's really hard. So honestly, this was a good lesson. I needed to learn. And you probably also figure it was an empty threat. No. Um, it happened one year. Mom said, this is what you're wearing for pictures. I said, I've never worn that before. She said, that's why this is what you're wearing for pictures. Now, I look back on that. So, you know, there's actually this one shirt I never wore that I kind of wish I still had. Like, I wish I still had it and it would fit me. It, it was the, the most memorable thing Grandma ever bought me. It was this silky dress shirt. And I don't know if this was a thing at some point. But it had these, this collar that went like all the way down to here, pointy, like it was really long. Maybe that was the 70s thing or something. But the whole design, you ready for this, was peacock feathers. <laughs> yeah. 
I would wear it now, ironically. Like, I would wear that shirt now. But, but I, you know, it got shoved to the back of the closet, and I never wore it. I had no interest in it then. And I think through that experience, and what my mom taught me was that gratitude without honesty behind it might not really be gratitude. I was fake. I was saying the words, but they were empty. My reactionary gratitude may have not been the only form of gratitude, or it certainly wasn't the best form of gratitude. She taught me that if my words were going to express gratitude, my actions and my heart needed to back that up. What I've really begun to realize over time is that, is that in its best form, gratitude becomes an attitude. In its best form, it becomes a part of who you are and how you function, not just a response. I'm learning that even more now because over the past month or so, I've been conducting a little experiment with myself. I, I actually decided several months ago as we laid out the sermon calendar that during the two weeks surrounding Thanksgiving, love the holiday by the way, uh, that we needed to talk about gratitude. If we were going to celebrate something called Thanksgiving, we needed to have a biblical discussion on gratitude. We needed to talk about being thankful and grateful and acting on those things. And I put it on my sermon calendar and there it sat until I was ready to work on it. And about a month ago as I began to, to do the legwork, as I began to work through what scripture had to say about it, what I realized was that my understanding of gratitude was pretty shallow. It was pretty simplistic. It was basic, even. And so I decided that in addition to studying what God's Word had to say about it, I needed to challenge myself to a better understanding of gratitude through experience, through practice. And so I decided to challenge myself to do one specific thing every day. One, one thing every day that I sat down at my desk in my office, one thing that I've been terrible at about doing for a long time, and I do mean terrible, and that's writing thank you notes. And so I challenged myself to write at least one thank you note every day uh, for basically the last month. Uh, every day that I sat down at my desk, I wrote a thank you note. And some of you are great at this, and you're thinking, wow, Craig, <laughs> way to give yourself a challenge, because that's nothing for you. Listen, I don't appreciate your sarcasm. <laughs> but I deserve it. Okay, because it's really, this has been a stretch for me. In fact, I'll admit to you that as I wrote this paragraph several weeks ago as I was working through this message, I stopped in the middle of it to write a thank you note because I realized I hadn't done so yet that day. It, it's just not something that seems to come naturally for me. And I'm trying to use this intentional daily act as a catalyst for gratitude becoming more of who I am than something I do or show or express from time to time. And so some of you received a thank you note from me over the last few weeks, and I'm sorry if it was awkward or if my handwriting was hard to read. Both of those things are probably true. But what ended up being surprising to me was that even though I would be the first to tell you I have so much to be grateful for in, in every area of my life, that I also struggled to decide to whom and for what these notes should be written for. And that's probably because I'm not very far down the road to having an attitude of gratitude. So more than my attempts to, to increase my understanding through that, I, I spent a lot of time looking into God's Word for insight into gratitude. And what I found is basically you have two kinds of gratitude, two, two forms of this idea, and we'll cover one this week and one next week. Today, we're going to talk about gratitude for all things. And then next week, in what is honestly a more difficult topic, we're going to talk about gratitude in all things. So gratitude for all things is pretty fitting because Thursday is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving has to rank up there pretty high for me when it comes to holidays. Uh, I love the, the multiple days off from work. I love the food. I love hearing stories about the crazy shopping that happens. I don't go anywhere near it if I can avoid it. 
I love the food. I love, you know, the food. I also love the food. Um, I'm sorry. Are we not just supposed to love it? I love the parade. Uh, I love, I, I, I've last several years, I've gone out of my way to, okay, we're watching the parade, and this is when it comes on, and the kids are going to be ready, and they're going to, and it's really more about me than about them. I really believe that. It's more about me watching than them. And uh, I love watching football on Thanksgiving. I love the fact that family is around on Thanksgiving. I have even begun to love that little urge that seems to, to come on Thanksgiving to start putting up Christmas decorations. I used to fight that urge. Now I'm like, all right, we could probably get a few things out. I even love that time around the table when everyone shares what they're thankful for. How many of you actually do that? Share what you're thankful for at the table. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing. It, it's, it's a good exercise because it really shouldn't be that difficult for us to come up with something. And I've beaten the system because I love cranberry sauce. Where are my cranberry sauce people at? Yeah, Not very many of you, but it's okay. I'll eat all of the cranberry sauce. Um, here's the thing about cranberry sauce. Depending on the size of your gathering, there is a decent chance that you are one of only one or two people that like it at the table, which means if you just keep that in your back pocket, when it gets to your turn to say what you're thankful for, you can say cranberry sauce. Nobody will have stolen that because there's nothing worse than being like the 12th person in line to say what you're thankful for and somebody has already said what you were thankful for. You don't want to, what you were going to say and you can't repeat because then you're not really as grateful, right? I think that's how it really works. And so I always save cranberry sauce and I'm thankful, I'm grateful for cranberry sauce and if, you know, honestly, we could just pray right there and call it a day. Sorry, my love for cranberry sauce is distracting sometimes. And so by beginning our our study on gratitude today and carrying it through next Sunday, what I'm hoping is that maybe we'll give ourselves a little head start so we can make this the best Thanksgiving yet and truly be grateful to God for what he's given us. So what is it that we have to be grateful for? Short answer, everything. Short answer is everything. Who should that gratitude be expressed to? The short answer God. And I think we know that. I I don't think that's news to anyone in this gathering. But I also know that it's not always as simple as it seems. It's certainly not always easy. We have a lot to be grateful for in this life, but we also have the constant demands of this life, the, the seemingly ongoing struggles of this life, and often more worries than we can count. And in the midst of our busyness and in the midst of those burdens we carry, the gratitude that is probably stored somewhere inside us, it struggles to get out. Debbie McDaniel, who writes a lot about gratitude, said this about it. She said, sometimes it really is a sacrifice to offer praise and thanks. That, that even though we know we should be grateful to God for what he's given us, even though we know we have these good gifts, that sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's a sacrifice to actually express that praise and that thanks. We don't always feel like expressing gratitude. We don't always have the energy or the strength to express gratitude. It's also possible that from time to time we feel like we might not have quite as much to be grateful for. That God has grown distant, that he might not care that much about what's going on or what's going wrong in our lives. And we convince ourselves, well, he doesn't care about me anymore. What do I have to be grateful for? But hear me clearly today, even when it is a sacrifice To express gratitude, it is a worthwhile sacrifice because we have a choice every day whether to be grateful to God or not. And here's what I believe. I believe 
if we get this figured out, if we, if we can daily understand just how grateful we should be to God, that that will trickle down into all other areas of our lives. If, our, if, if we begin to understand how much we have to be grateful for from God, we'll begin to see all the other areas where we have to be grateful, all the other people we should be grateful to. So it begins by remembering that God has given us so much. In James chapter 1, beginning of verse 16, says this, So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Excuse me. God has given us everything we have, and yet he considers us his prized possession. There's so much to be grateful for just in that statement. And so in response, I think we need to, to, to be intentional about this and, and building this attitude of gratitude up in ourselves so it becomes more of a natural thing. By intentionally expressing our gratitude to God for all he's given us, and I, again, I believe when we do that, it will trickle down. But our intentionality about gratitude to God for all he's given us will accomplish that, I believe, in four specific ways that I want us to understand today. I want to share with you four things that that intentional gratitude could do for us. The first one is gratitude changes our focus. Gratitude changes our focus. Simply put, gratitude takes our eyes off of ourselves and puts them back on God. If you consider this, when you're struggling to be grateful, it probably means you're focused on yourself. I know that's how it is for me, but if our focus is on God, we'll have trouble not being grateful. And so some intentional gratefulness, looking at your life through the lens of seeing how God is at work and being grateful for what he's doing, that's an extremely effective way to shift your focus off of yourself back onto him. I mean, consider what God has done for us even just through the cross. We could never be grateful enough for that. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning of verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And see, this passage is about perseverance, but I think we can also apply it to gratitude. When we look at what God has done, we should persevere because of what Jesus did for us. The truth is we should also be grateful, understanding what Jesus endured on the cross for us. No matter our struggle if we can remember what God did for us through Jesus, if we're grateful for what God did for us through Jesus, it will shift our focus back to where it belongs. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says this, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. When our focus is off, we'll struggle to be grateful. When we focus on the things of the earth, and I get that that's difficult because this is where we live. This life is what we experience, and so it can be difficult to keep our focus where it needs to be, when it needs to be somewhere beyond this life. You know, we see what's in front of us, but we need to be focused on 
God. Yeah, some intentional gratefulness, stopping to thank God for a blessing in our life. If something good happens, stop and give him thanks. If something appears, if we see this blessing that we've never noticed before, stop and give thanks to God. It will adjust our focus back to him. And that's where it needs to be because he's truly in control. He's the one that's in control and we worry so much. That really is the second thing that gratitude does. Gratitude reminds us who's in control. It's fairly similar to what our gratitude does for our focus because the truth is we like to be in control. We like to feel like we're in control. We like to think we're in control. We like to pretend that we're in control. But the truth is we serve a God who is really the one in control. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says this, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So we, we, we love to, to say, this is, I, you know, I got to figure out what I need to do. The truth is what we need to say is I need to figure out what God has for me. Proverbs 19.21 says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And when we stop to thank God for the blessings that he's put in our life, it's a reminder that he's in control and he knows best. And beyond that, I think it's a relief to be reminded that God's in control. Because in those times when I grab the wheel and try to take control of my life, the blessings don't even come close to measuring up to the blessings I find when I remember that he's in control. You've probably heard that saying or seen that bumper sticker, Jesus is my co-pilot. That's, that's wrong. <laughs> that's actually problematic because when I'm driving this thing, it doesn't always turn out for the best. Jesus should be the leader of our lives, the driver, not the co-pilot, because God's plan for me is much greater than any plan I've ever had for me. The third thing that gratitude does is gratitude leaves no room for complaining. Now, this will be tough for some of us. Because we really like to complain and we're good at it. I struggle with this one because I'm often convinced that, that complaining is a healthy pressure release valve for me. That it's cathartic, that it makes me feel better. And, and sometimes I just need to get this stuff off my chest and complain about it so that it'll go away and I won't worry about it. The problem is, it doesn't usually go away just because I complained about it. And if you pressed me, I'd have to admit that gratitude is much more freeing in a much more real way than my cathartic complaining could ever be. In part of Paul's letter to the Philippians, in a, a section of the letter where he's calling the Christians at Philippi to shine brightly for Christ in a dark world, he makes this very important statement. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. He says, Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. You see, do you know what our complaining, no matter what it's about, ultimately says? Ultimately, when we complain, it says that even if we say Christ is enough, even if we say that God's love is all we need, when we complain, it says we don't actually mean those things. Complaining is simply a statement that something is not good enough. And it feels good to complain. I will admit that 100%. You know that. But it also reflects on our relationship with God and where our focus actually is. If our focus is on God and all we have to be grateful for from Him, the things of this life that we think are worth complaining about are minimized in comparison. So if we reduce our complaining, I believe our gratitude will increase. And if we are intentional about showing gratitude to God for all He's done, I believe our complaining will naturally decrease. Because a focus on God and gratitude to Him will struggle to coexist with a heart that complains. 
There really is no room for complaining in the life of a person who wants to have an attitude of gratitude. I know this is crazy to believe because we're all going to struggle with it, but, but there really isn't a lot of room for complaining in the life of someone who understands what God did for them through Jesus on the cross. The fourth thing that gratitude does is it opens the door for continued blessings. Now, that may sound a little bit confusing on the surface because it kind of sounds like I'm saying that if we're thankful and grateful to God, it will result in more blessings from God. And I'm not sure that that necessarily is the case. But what I do know is true is that when we have an attitude of gratitude, we'll be significantly more aware of the blessings God has given us all along and continues to give us. You see, when we're, when we're looking, uh, you know, when, we're, when we're acting selfishly, when our focus is on ourselves, when we're seeing things in this world only, we are missing some huge blessings that God gives us every single day that he's given us all along. That's important for us to keep our eyes open in the right place. And so to, to understand what that looks like, you know, in order to keep God's blessings in the forefront of our mind, I want to share with you uh, Psalm 103. I love, Psalm, I love the Psalms because there's so much truth and honesty in them. Whether you're talking about one that was written by David or one that may have been written by somebody else, it doesn't matter. There's just so much gut-level honesty all the way from, you know, God, why have you forsaken me to let all that I am praise the Lord like we're just going to read. And, and, and David's just honest with God about what's going on. And, and I think if we use Psalm 103 as the backdrop for this idea of keeping the blessings of God at the forefront of our mind, I think there'll be some key things that are clear about how we go about doing that. I think there'll be some some things we can do that will help us to better keep at the forefront of our minds, in our vision, the blessings of God. So Psalm 103, beginning in verse 1, he writes, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. See, the first thing we can learn there already is that we need to express gratitude to God through worship. That part of the reason we gather together is to worship, and a main part of worship is expressing gratitude. But we also need to do that on our own. We need to find those situations on our own where we can express gratitude to God through our worship. If we're truly grateful for all that God has done for us, we can't express that with just a portion of ourselves, with just a portion of our heart, but with all of it. We need to understand that true worship is a whole heart experience. Verse 2 and following, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all my sins and He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. See, I think the second thing we can pull away from this passage is that it would do us a lot of good to write down our blessings, to to, to write down our blessings sometimes. These are amazing things that David writes here. He says, may I never forget the good things he does for for me. I don't know about you, but if I don't write something down, there's a good chance I'm going to forget it. So we need to be on the ball when it comes to writing down the blessings God gives us because there are going to be times in our life when it's hard to see the blessings. If you have a physical reminder, if you can pull out that little journal or whatever it is you write them down with, and I know that to some of you that don't do stuff like that, 
That may sound a little weird or it may sound a little cheesy or a little hokey. That's fine. But I promise you, in tough times, if you can pull out that list and say, you know what, I kind of I had lost sight of this blessing. I kind of forgotten about the time God did this for me. And, and it changes your perspective. So I would challenge you, write down your blessings. Verse 6, the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. See, the third thing we need to do is remember who God is. And that list, it's, it's, it's his character, his deeds, his compassion, his mercy, his unfailing love, his grace. And I think the phrase in those verses that we should probably be the most thankful for is, he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. We don't deserve for God to be who he is, to, to show us that love and that mercy, and yet he does. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. That's something to be extremely grateful for. By remembering who God is, we'll really end up with no choice but to offer gratitude for who he is. Verse 12, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. You see, the fourth thing we need to do, beyond just remembering who God is, we need to remember what God did. Because of what God did when he sent Jesus to be the sacrifice in our place, to die for our sins and to rise again, he removed our sins as far from us as east is from the west. Without what God did through Jesus Christ, we would have no real hope. We would be, in effect, completely and utterly lost and hopeless. And yet, we have hope. We have hope. And if you have the hope of salvation, the hope of eternal life, hope only available because Jesus died for you and me and rose again, if you have that hope, what more could you really need? And if we have all we need, the only real response is gratitude. Verse 19. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. And he ends this psalm the same way he began it. And let all that I am praise the Lord. An attitude of gratitude for all God has given us says just that. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Because I have hope given to me by God the Father who sent Jesus to be the Savior of my life. Because of that hope, every other blessing, every other good thing we have, and if we think about it, there are tons of them. In light of that hope, every other blessing is just icing on the cake or extra gravy on the potatoes, depending on how you want to look at it. 
everything else. It's a bonus blessing. It's extra blessing. It's so much more because we have all we need when we have that hope. That understanding alone should push us way down the road toward actually developing an attitude of gratitude. God's given us everything we could ever need. And he sent Jesus to die for our sins. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for taking care of our needs. Thank you for loving us that much. Thank you for the hope that we have because of what Jesus did for us on the cross and in the grave. Thank you for that hope. Thank you for that gift. And God, I pray that we would never take that for granted. I pray that we would never lose sight of that. But God, when we do, in those those moments where we get bogged down in this life, begin to lose sight of how important that is for us, God, I pray that you would bring it back into focus. You have blessed us so richly. To express that gratitude to you each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.